0: I can't. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I had a thought to to put after that and I totally just forgot
1: it. I was laughing this entire time. I'm so glad that you stopped because I'm like over here crying. I'm laughing so hard. That's retarded. Uh, Everything is just funny right now. I'm really, oh God. Okay, Uh, well, good. Feel good.
0: Come on, Mark. Come on, Donnie. I'm I'm Mark. You're Donnie. Let's get it together. Look
1: could feel good. Look good, feel good. Feel
0: good, buddy. Come on. Look good, feel good. Do this. You know what? I play a cop most of the times, but now I'm doing a podcast about George Washington, the Boston fucking party. Okay, bud. Gonna fucking do it. All right. (laughs) <laughs> get it out
2: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh breathe look it feel good okay go for it Washington, Washington, six foot eight weighs a fucking tongue. Opponents beware, opponents beware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine I mean two sets of testicles, so divine On a horse made of crystal he patrolled the land With the mason ring and schnauzer in his perfect hands Here comes George, in control Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll Eight opponent's brains And invented cocaine He's, he's coming. coming, he's, he's coming. coming, he's, he's coming. coming Washington
1: Hello and welcome to another POTUS Life Podcast. This is episode number seven in heaven. We are recording on December 2nd. Figure we'd start adding the date in there because it was getting a little confusing when I was posting things and what we were talking about.
0: You're so smart, but do you believe in heaven? Do you believe uh, seven
1: seven? I don't believe that seven would be in heaven only because I don't actually believe in a heaven or any paradise afterlife i guess except for dog heaven all dogs go to heaven i believe in dog heaven for sure they're good boys
0: do you think they go to heaven at the size and age that they are or is heaven just all dog heaven, all puppies
1: no i i think that yeah no i do think that dog heaven is all puppies i think that's the best time it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a happy
0: it's a happy place to go.
1: <laughs> puppy heaven. Oh man. Yeah. Now if I it, if there is a heaven, I hope it's a puppy heaven. That would be my heaven. But it's not real.
0: Eh, I think I'm a Christian now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All these years people have been trying to figure out how to make Justin Azinga a Christian and it was just tell them that a puppy heaven's real.
0: Or tell me about hell when I'm really young.
1: <laughs> Hell's oh. a scary
0: place. Speaking of hell, I don't know if we should uh continue the the Trump talking.
1: Oh no, yes or should we? Like President of the United States. Well well, eventually we'll do a show on him someday. He's gonna be
0: on our show someday.
1: Oh, that would be awesome. Before he
0: executes us for our
1: slander. <laughs> I sometimes do wonder if that is a possibility. Not that it is, but it, I always kind of think about how things started in Germany. It's, the, it's like this slow, smooth ride down to hell.
0: What was it? He tweeted something about uh, burning an American flag would be a year in jail and you lose your citizenship.
1: Yeah, luckily, our Supreme Court has already laid out that the burning of the flag is totally covered in our constitution. That's the first amendment.
0: Cause I mean, I would never, I would never burn an American flag.
1: Everybody. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I would never but, burn an American flag. Not here.
0: Unless I was dying of like being frozen, like to prevent hypothermia. But the second you tell me I cannot burn the American flag, I'm going to buy a bunch of American flags. <laughs> Which is super offensive. I'm going to buy a bunch of them, and I'm going to burn them in all kinds of different ways until I go to jail. I think what you should do— I can be a a political prisoner.
1: I like the image of you buying so many American flags and then lining them up, spelling out Trump, and then at once lighting them all on fire. That's not my style. Or I'd
0: get a T-shirt cannon— and just stuff American flags in this T-shirt cannon and shoot them at Trump Tower.
1: That's a no-fly zone. And,
0: and then I'd, <laughs> I'd go to Guantanamo Bay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you get back, you can tell me how waterboarding felt. I'm I'm down to know how that is, you know? I'm a pretty good swimmer.
0: You know, what real torture would be making me do the butterfly every day.
1: Oh, man. That was always the you worst. Don't get
0: me to talk or whatever. Just... Make me do the butterfly stroke.
1: Oh, geez. Speaking of sports, just real quickly, I've really enjoyed the skiing. The skiing's been good to me. I was playing in the snow. I I
0: thought you were going to surprise me and say that you love organized sports now. No, no.
1: No. Just skiing. I just like to ski. It's very interesting.
0: What else do we need to cover?
1: I think that's it. Uh, You're pretty much going to get us uh, right on into the this episode because you're going to recap last episode and uh i mean that's all that's all that's all i'm not
0: recapping shit go back and listen to it you lazy lazy freeloaders you entitled american millennials
1: no free rides here
0: (laughs) having said that in the last episode things were starting to heat up between washington's world of powdered wigs and the British world of powder wigs at the beginning of this whole, this whole damn thing is mostly the rich white guys, the landowners, business owners getting upset about too, too much taxing. So they all get together and they're like, if you don't cut this out, we're going to move our jobs and our businesses to French owned territory. So the British are like, no, 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 don't do that. Here's a, a huge tax cut so that you, you, you don't do that, which uh, <laughs> set a great precedence and didn't start a, a war or anything. So they they cut out a lot of the taxes with the exception of tea, which unless you don't have a high school diploma, you should know about this. Now, when you think of the cliff notes of the American Revolution, you probably associate tea with the colonists being really pissed off about tea. They And up north, they're dressing up like Indians, and they're throwing that shit in the Boston Harbor, which, when you think about it, that must have been a really exciting time to, to live in Boston, like you just dressing up and... Vandalizing things sounds like protesting. protesting
1: that actually sounds like something that you have actually done before I don't know. Maybe not
0: throw tea in the harbor.
1: No, no dressed up and then gone to protest.
0: Oh, yes I. I know
1: <laughs> you know, they're called they were called tea parties <laughs> So yeah, you actually did go do this then yeah, 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 I, I'm not a tea partier.
0: No, I you didn't do it like that. No. <laughs> but we're not gonna tell people how I how I did that.
1: How you dressed up cause... like a Jew and went went to <laughs> That
0: might that might affect my employment opportunities <laughs> in the future.
1: Copy. Copy that.
0: Okay, so they're doing the whole tea thing, the Boston tea party. Woo! But really things were much more relaxed on down, Williamsburg for a while, it looked like things would go back to normal for the Virginians. George was supposedly still critical of the crown, though, through what we see from his correspondence and shit like that. But on the other hand, he's going to still have a good relation with Brits like John Murray, a royal governor. And he's going to play his card and say, hello, governor. How about giving me some of that Ohio country land? Mmm, yum yum yum. I love this tea. I don't know what Sam <laughs> is complaining about. He's
1: crazy. He's I love crazy.
0: Yes, I have white hair too. So Washington, he wants to have his cake and eat it too. He's I understand. Not, yeah, he's not fully in, engaged with the rest of the movement at the time. He's sort of like Aaron Burr's character in Hamilton. The musical? Give us some verse, drop some knowledge. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that, you're taking a stand. Who <laughs> spit, I'ma sit, we'll see where we land. <gasps> the revolution's imminent,
1: what do you stall for? you, if you stand, stand for, for nothing, nothing, bird. bird what, what do you fall for?
0: for? Yeah, Washington, he's on down Williamsburg. He gets it re to the House of Burgesses. He's up to his usual practice of rewarding voters with food and cake and fiddling slave bands.
2: He doesn't have to
0: get them wasted at this point. You know, he's not getting them hammered anymore. That was more of his his young, wild days, his reckless (laughs) days of voting. (laughs) He's, He's bringing the cake this time. No, at this time the, the colonies start to show more signs of unity in 1773 they form a committee of correspondence and that's capital letters the committee of correspondence so Washington is like yeah good for you that's a nice committee I wish I had a committee like that what you want me to join uh, maybe later I like this tea sip 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 <laughs> And bam, this is uh, part of the timeline where they're throwing the tea into the harbor, the Boston Tea Party. And that's also, fun fact, when Sam Adams started his famous brewery. Yeah, his brewery's that old.
1: It's old. Did you know that? Uh, it, but it's not the same Sam Adams, right? Like it's a no. A, I'm
0: totally fucking with you. I'm I was about to like like he named like 45. it forty <laughs>
1: five. Well, and he. he but did you know he has like a doctorate in Russian literature?
0: Who's old Sam Adams or new new Sam? Adams? No, no. no yeah. The
1: owner of Sam Adams, like he's actually a scholar that just likes to make beer. I guess I looked into this. Really?
0: Yeah. Did you look at Sam Adams?
1: Well, I got. I was like, I wonder. I wanted to know more about the Sam Adams Brewing Company. I was interested how that was tied to the actual Sam Adams. So yeah, I uh, I looked it up. I guess. Well, that's a good story.
0: Yeah. So you didn't look it up for our Boston Tea Party episode? No, I was
1: just. I mean, well, I mean, it was because we were doing you this episode. me? Well, I will. I mean, I always do. And delete all the things that you say they're not. You should just
0: let it ride. Let people hate me.
1: No. Well, I mean, I'm all about spreading information, not disinformation. I want to spread misinformation.
0: But anyways, (laughs) Washington Washington thinks that those Bostonians are a bunch of dum-dums. He he wasn't the only one either. Those damn people from Boston. The reputation still holds sway. (laughs) You know, don't mess with somebody from
1: Boston. Boston. Hey, I'm from Boston. i punch in your lobster. You want some clam chowder with that? <laughs> what other Boston references are there? Uh... Beans. <laughs> Sorry, anyone that lives in Boston. It wasn't stop.
0: really until the crown began to clamp down on these these Bostonians that Washington and the others got on board with the revolution. The British, they shut down the port. They imposed some real dumb, dumb laws. That, you know, they wanted to show the New England New Englanders that they really meant business. They weren't going to take their shit anymore. Damn colonials. No more dressing up like Indians Aww. and destroying... Sounds a lot like uh, Ohio State... Halloween, <laughs> <laughs> they land 3,000 British troops in Boston. And this is where Washington just loses his chill. He calls the whole thing, quote, unexampled testimony of the most despotic system of tyranny that was ever practiced in a free government. That's dramatic.
1: That's pretty dramatic.
0: Cut the theatrics, Washington.
1: He went to it too many places. He went to too many yeah. plays.
0: He was dressing up, going to plays, and he's being all dramatic. And it is important that he says free government because because slaves. Yeah. Yep. And you can almost guess what next. Screw you, colonials. We'll just dissolve that precious
1: House of Burgesses Again. Again.
0: So it's just like a merry-go-round. The colonials go back to the Raleigh Tavern to make some noise, and they say things like "rabble, rabble, rabble." But uh, you know, they're still they're still going to hang out with their governess. They're gonna still go to royal balls and of shit like that. They're Virginians, after all. And a little more time passes, and it's like George is like the. The Brits still haven't given me any of that Ohio land, fam.
1: I thought we were cool. I thought we were cool.
0: And this just silly game that they're playing keeps repeating itself. And he'll have to win another election to get back into that house of Burgesses. And he's going to buy the voters booze and food again. He's really a two-trick pony. (laughs) (laughs) Politics was super easy. You just had to have cash and booze. And cake. And cake. You gotta let them eat cake. So the Virginians, they finally seem to be fed up. Took them a while to catch up with the Boston type. It's time to get serious. It's time to put down our wigs and write some resolutions about how we don't like this thing called taxation without representation. And there was even a, re- a resolution to stop the importation of slaves in Virginia. Interesting. And this is something that I think I knew from history. I knew that the importation ended relatively early in the slave area. In fact, I think that more slaves were sent to the Caribbean and South America. They, uh, sugar cane is a really shitty, shitty way to farm.
1: But, so but boy did we breed the shit out of them here slaves yes
0: yeah the big difference was that and i hate to use the word breed but that's really how their owners saw them as absolutely good breeding stock you know and that's how north america had so many more slaves and at this time, the House of Burgesses, there was even talk of ending the whole pra- the practice altogether of slavery, which is a crazy idea, you guys. Like, uh, you bring up that idea in the South. Like, hey, hey, guys, how about we uh, stop the whole slavery thing? <laughs> and then, you know, they probably relied on a couple of people to be like, yeah, that's crazy. I'll never do that.
1: It was, uh, I mean, when you think about it, it really was their main source of farming. That was their equipment. That was their machinery, people, slaves. So, yeah, I mean, I could see. You're
0: old imagine deer.
1: Well, oh, you know, yeah. Imagine going to a farmer today and just taking all of his equipment away. That's very much. Here's a machete. Literally Piece how they of thought shit. of it.
0: Yeah. So, this idea was less popular than taxation without representation. I think that that was also an issue when they were writing the Declaration of Independence, at least according to the musical 1776 that I saw in, like, fifth grade, that that was an issue that Thomas Jefferson was going to bring up, even though he didn't even release his slaves when he died. I guess he just forgot to do that. Oops. But we all know the, the issue sure as shit wasn't resolved i mean even to this day there are way too many dummies that think slavery should not have ended the kkk is still a thing sometimes they endorse candidates for the president and that candidate wins (laughs) oops but george is no longer a cautious player He's just about full on revolution mo- mode. It sets him up to be the, a, a leader now. He's on board. He wants to be the president. Uh, he doesn't want to be the president. His Majesty George Washington. <laughs> so the colonies now know that they have Washington on their side. It must be nice. <laughs> Washington on your side. The news of the the resolutions out of Virginia spread like the, the 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 speed of horses. Probably, the news spreads like the the speed of a horse. Just wild,
1: wild tamed horses.
0: Wild tamed horses, and you know, whenever they have to stop for grass and food or
1: whatever, smokes beer for the the person who was riding the horse.
0: Yeah, that's. Is fat. It's not exact. They're not exactly spreading like wildfire. <laughs> and as you can imagine, Washington's new firm militant stance probably made him look different than some of his longtime friends. Certainly not all of them are going to be on board at this point or maybe ever. You know, they're going to fight against him. And we could pretty much describe Washington as having become radicalized. He wants his friends and neighbors to share his stance. He lost some old buddies to the issue. Sally Fairfax, we all remember Sally, you know, the good old Sally. He wants to to get out of Spanish Fly. And her husband, his good friend, George William, they moved back to England at this point. It's time for Washington to move forward, make some new
1: friends. George indeed does have some new friends. But before we move on to George's new friends, let's talk about one of his oldest and dearest friends, George William Fairfax, for just a moment. I really do like to think that George's heart was broken when he went to the docks and saw his friends off in August of 1773. In fact, George and Martha were the last people to see the Fairfaxes off. George was such a close friend to the Fairfaxes that he was entrusted to sell off all of the furnishings at the Fairfaxes' home, Belvoir. This, to me, is an odd set of instructions to leave someone, right? Sally and George William were headed to London to settle an inheritance dispute. That was it.
0: Would you let me sell your stuff off?
1: No, because I know you'd, like... No, I, I would. I, I know you wouldn't pocket the money. You'd, you be, you'd be like, George. I did, <laughs> I, did, I did initially hesitate. But no, no, totally. I would totally let you. you. You Actually, I mean, to proof, you are the... There are two people in the whole world that have access to all my passwords if I die you and my sister so what about oh. that what about that justin
0: that's true do you have any of my passwords
1: none none at all
0: uh, i get i gotta get on that i also yeah. have i have a list of uh social media updates i want you to do after i if and after i die
1: oh i like that for you yeah no I, I will totally do it
0: it's gonna like my family's gonna be really <laughs> pissed off <laughs> The first the first few days are going to just be like tweets and Facebook statuses about how hell sucks. <laughs> like first, the first one will be like, ah, it's hot. Ah, why didn't I go to church?
1: <clears throat> oh, my gosh. That That's awesome.
0: Even from the grave, I disappoint them.
1: <laughs> You're really funny. That's awesome, I'm uh, I'm on board, I'm on board. Anyway, back to Sally and George William Fairfax heading to London. What?
0: You said I'm funny. What You're does fun. that mean? Come on, haven't you seen Goodfellas. I have. Joe Pesci.
1: Joe Pesci.
0: Continue with your Washington.
1: Continuing with some Washington, Sally and William Fairfax. We're heading to London, right? To settle a little inheritance dispute. I would assume naturally that they would eventually at some point come back. I mean, I think that they very much considered the colonies their home. So my thought is they probably knew that this would be the last time they would see George. And George probably understood this as well, right? I think he knew that there was some, some shit a-brewin' in the Revolution. And I think that his friends, who were very much English, were going to get on out.
0: Yeah, know. I think he was definitely... Designing some uh, nice, nice bad-all uniform.
1: <laughs> What's that over there, George? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Well, I noticed you've been wearing a lot of blue trimmed in gold with some nice buttons and a sash. What's that all about, George? Oh,
0: nothing. This is my skin riding cloak.
1: <laughs> no big deal here. Nothing to see. Nothing to see. Anyway, in the summer of 1774, we can see George start to become a more and more radical revolutionary as we could call it in writing to his friend George William he states the crown is not protecting the virginians from the indians that were raiding in the western parts of the territory george also talks about how the crown and parliament is taking away the autonomy of the col- of the colonies piece by piece washington's writings with george william reveal that he felt he was speaking to someone like-minded when it came to the patriotic cause Which I find interesting considering that Fairfax was definitely part of the old world order. And when the going got tough, they got going all the way back to England, right? He didn't stick around to see this whole thing through. He was like, yeah, George, this is a really good idea. I'm going to get on my boat now. And (laughs) they're going
0: to burn home.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go back now. That's cool. You and all your friends are cool. But I'm going to go back here now. (laughs) And it was around this time the most gleaming evidence that George truly has become radicalized, materializes. On July 4th, 1774, Washington begins correspondence with George Williams' half-brother, Brian. Brian was an old hunting friend of George, so they knew each other for a very long time. You see, back in June... We all
0: know Brian.
1: Oh, yeah. Back we in, all have
0: that Brian in our lives. Brian. Maybe four of them.
1: Brian. That Brian. You see, back in June, Washington tried to get Brian to run with him for the House of Burgesses, Brian wanted nothing to do with where things were heading. Through letters back and forth, Brian, we can tell Washington is clearly upset, aggravated, and ready for some action. And I'm not talking about lady action. George states, no Spanish fly fly here. George states, does it not appear as clear as the sun in its meridian brightness that there is a regular, systematic plan formed to fix the right and practice upon us? He's talking about tax. Uh, George definitely viewed the British taxation as a form of slavery, which again is incredibly ironic considering the man was a slave owner. In another letter sent on July 20th, he states, I think Parliament of Great Britain has no more right to put their hands into my pockets without my consent than I have to put my hands in yours for money. It's rational, it's reasonable to say that, right?
0: Yeah. It's not hypocritical at
1: all. <laughs> not not at all. Um, so, anyway, we can see he clearly wanted to have some sort of say in how Parliament and the Crown extracted money from the colonies. George wasn't completely greedy or bloodthirsty for war, though. I don't think he was ready for an all-out brawl out quite yet. He definitely was seeking some fairness. Back in that July 4th letter to Brian, he stated that although He wanted to stop importing goods from Britain. He still believed that the colonists should continue to pay back their debts owed to the British creditors. He stated, "I think whilst we are accusing others of injustice, we should be just ourselves." The dude did believe in some level of fairness, and he definitely had a strong moral compass. George states, "An innate spirit of freedom first told me that the measures with the administration has for some time been and are now most." Violently pursuing. Let me start one more time. This This is is going to be a a rough day.
0: Just say to yourself these words. (laughs) Just imagine that you're Mark Wahlberg (laughs) looking in a mirror, and you pull your dick out, and you say, "Look good, feel good.
1: Look Look good, good, feel good. Look good, feel good. Look good, feel good."
0: See, don't you feel better?
1: I feel much better. George states. An innate spirit of freedom first told me that the measures which the administration hath for some time been and now are most violently pursuing are repugnant to every principle of nature justice while much abler heads than my own hath fully convinced me that it's not only repugnant to natural right but subversive to the laws and Constitution of Great Britain itself
0: it's hard to read his quotes
1: Uh, Sometimes
0: it feels like word, like kind of word salad plus <sighs> the new, the King James version of the Bible. Well, again, yeah.
1: keep in mind, he had
0: administration he, half for some time. Half. Yeah. He had an incomplete education.
1: Totally. He's shitty writer. It, that's these why
0: quotes are like adjusted by uh, Chernow, right? Yeah. Chernow. And it's still
1: bad. Chernow. It's a
0: tough job. God bless Ron Chernow.
1: God bless him indeed come on our show. Anyway, uh, I had two big takeaways from that last statement, though. Um, George could admit that all the thoughts he was thinking were not his own. He does admit that, right? He says other people have convinced him. He wasn't afraid of seeking advice, which I actually find very interesting. Also, we learned that he is indeed being influenced from a group of people that were, as he puts it, Abler than himself, and truly, they sounds were sounds
0: a lot like George W. Bush. George W. W. man, I wish he. No, Nuc- uh, I wish nuclear. they would have substituted Jeb for for George W.
1: Nuclear, nu- nuclear.
0: I wanted to see a debate between Donald Trump and George W. Bush so bad.
1: <laughs> uh, that would have been a that would have been a good one, actually. You're kind of right.
0: If I had, if God, that maybe exists, gave me the powers to do whatever I wanted, that's the first fucking thing I would do is go back in time and allow Debbie to run for a third term. Debbie. Because that's the only way that 2016 could have been m- more like Yakety Sax. So, this is what. <laughs> the theme of 2016 sounds like.
1: These more abler people. One of the strongest influences on Washington, from what I understand through my research, anyway, was a man by the name of George Mason. This name may sound a little familiar. There is a university named after the man. Find it incredibly interesting the parallels of George Mason's life and George Washington's life in certain regards. George Mason's family actually immigrated to the colonies about the same time as Washington's family. George Mason's grandfather, George Mason I, which note, apparently giving everyone the same name wasn't just a Washington family tradition, everyone did it. Upon his arrival to the colonies, was given 50 acres for every person he transported on a voyage from England to the colonies due to that English Civil War we talked about. This land was passed down to the George Mason in our timeline. This made George Mason fairly wealthy to begin with. That's kind of the difference between Washington and Mason. Mason was also part of the Ohio Company, interestingly enough, with George's half-brothers Lawrence and Augustine. So, interesting connection there. Mason was also elected to the House of Burgesses at the same time as Washington. These two saw a lot of one another. They I hope there
0: aren't any conspiracy theorists listening right now.
1: Why? Did I start another one? Because, you know, it's the, the connection game. Oh, yeah.
0: George Washington was a Mason. George Mason was a person. George Washington, Mason, Mason, person, same time. Oh, my God, they're the same
1: person. That's sci-fi music in the background for you. I was just trying to make it dramatic. Man,
0: government's messed up, man. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah, Illuminati, man. The signs are From everywhere, the man.
0: Beginning.
1: <laughs> Carry on. Believe it or not, though, George Mason and George Washington had a lot of sleepovers at Mount Vernon. It's true. It kind of made sense because George Mason's house was... I mean, George's house was kind of on the road to Mason's house, so I mean, when you're traveling that far, it would be typically appropriate yeah, and it'd be
0: convenient
1: to you invite. Don't
0: want to fight the dark.
1: No, there are raiders in these woods.
0: There's engines in these woods. They made they,
1: these paths. They in these paths. Uh, Mason was a major influencer, not just on George, actually, but of the entire patriotic movement. He was involved in drafting the Fairfax Resolves the official name for the document that stated everyone should abstain from purchasing British goods. The Virginia Declaration of Rights, that document was actually used for the framework of our Constitution today. And last but not least, a paper entitled Objections to This Constitution of Government, in which he stated he opposed the Constitution as it was written, which was, again, weird, because he wrote the Declaration that the Constitution was based on. So yeah, that's odd, that the con- like the grandfather of our Constitution actually opposed the way that the constitution was written in its end and, I, and we'll talk more about that later <laughs> Sounds i'm sure a lot like george lucas uh yeah kind of yeah actually
0: but there weren't enough gang-ans <laughs> in the new baby <laughs> that's my that's my george lucas
1: that's pretty good it's pretty uh, good <laughs> we digress the point we're trying to make is stated best by historian joseph ellis and highlighted by ron Chernow. george mason probably helped washington quote to develop a more expansive vocabulary to express his thoughts and feelings but the thoughts and even more so the feelings had been brewing inside of him for more than 20 years that's a pretty good highlight of
0: it's just like the relationship between padme and jar jar binks she helps him become a fucking senator.
1: I actually think that that's more apt to what happened with Donald Trump. Misa, Trump, Char- Char- like Trump, Trump, Bink, Binks.
0: Misa, president now. Misa, gonna give you a deal you can refuse.
1: <laughs> anyway. The night before the Misa first. Misa no
0: like you move jobs, Mexico. Misa big get you in chapel.
1: <laughs> Misa tax you.
0: Misa tax, Misa you, tax you big you so time. Much. Big no no.
1: Misa tax you huge. Jesus oh. Christ. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. The night before the first Continental Congress, George had a sleepover with two other individuals that I really think helped influence and radicalize him. Patrick Henry, we know him best for saying "Give me liberty, or give me death," and Edmund Pendleton.
0: Patrick Henry.
1: Yeah, and Edmund Pendleton. Both of these guys were considered firebrands in the House of Burgesses. Funny thing is, as well, the two gentlemen didn't necessarily see eye to eye. All the time the fact that washington was friends with both of these gentlemen foreshadows for me the future relationships he will have with people like alexander hamilton and thomas jefferson his close relationship with these gentlemen also highlights for me his desire to be in the presence of people who have at times radically different ideas i think he enjoyed watching highly intelligent men argue out their ideas one thing that washington was known for was sitting in silence during meetings and just listening to arguments now yeah Sometimes I think this was because he felt inadequate in the presence of such very good orators. At other times, I think he sat, listened, and was able to be the bipartisan party that would pick out the best parts of separate arguments and form those into new, coherent ideas. I think this in particular made him a great leader and a great president, but I'm getting ahead of myself. In the First Continental Congress, I believe that George pretty much just sat back in the meeting room. However, when it came to his social networking and the night scene, he totally had his head in the game. He went shopping, visited the hospital in the colonies, the first one ever built, dined out and went drinking in the local taverns. He was a social butterfly. After all this hard work at the First Continental Congress, the Virginian delegates went back and attended the second Virginian convention. They reported all the hard work they did to further the cause, all that partying, all that hanging out with the plays. George apparently did so well doing whatever he did when he was the first Continental Congress to be voted to attend the second Continental Congress. After being voted in, George wrote to one of his closest confidants, his youngest brother, Jack. In a letter to Jack, George stated, It is my full intention to devote my life and fortune in the cause we are engaged in. Remember those words. Full intention, devote life and fortune in the cause we are engaged in. Sounds
0: like an 80s ballad. (laughs) A love ballad, you know. You start your album off with a love ballad. But now it's time for the revolution. The shot hurt round the world. It rang from Lexington, Massachusetts, before Washington took up command. We knew from his correspondence with friends that he was super friggin' stoked about going to war at this point. Even though he really, you know, he enjoyed the sound of bullets whizzing past his head as we've... Said so many times before because it's the most interesting thing about George Washington. <laughs> he wrote to George William Fairfax, old buddy, whose wife, you know, he was fond of.
1: Hot Sally Fairfax. He wrote,
0: Unhappy is it to reflect that a brother's sword has been sheathed into the brother's chest and that the once happy and peaceful plains of America are either to be drenched with blood or inhabited by slaves. <laughs> I
1: like that reading. <laughs>
0: It's, it, it sounds like his most coherent <laughs> sentence ever until the end of it. <laughs> it's already inhabited by slaves, George. <laughs> but shit, it's time for it's time for war. Washington isn't going to take command of an organized army. It begs the question: How does a ragtag? volunteer army in need of a shower somehow defeat a global superpower do you know the answer to that question
1: i was looking for my pen
0: oh oh yeah you're in uh the state of washington right now aren't you
1: yeah yep must be
0: nice must be
1: nice Hamilton.
0: <laughs> and washington's military experience is i mean it's it's not a huge repertoire He had a handful of disasters on the frontier during the French and Indian War. He was pooping his brains out most of the time. He goes from that to a planner to the leader of the Continental Army. Was he out of his depth? Does his win-loss record tell us that he couldn't win a war on this big of a scale without so many other factors going in favor of the colonies? In the spring of 1775, George heads to the Second Continental Congress, and by the time he approaches Philadelphia, he is part of a large caravan with the same purpose— they are greeted by a gay pride parade. I mean, a, a parade. <laughs> They're greeted by a parade. <laughs> the, lev- the revolution is so hot right now. Everybody so is hot. hot with revolution. It's so hot right now. I think we mentioned in previous in a previous episode that he showed up at Independence Hall, now named Independence Hall, in his military uniform, kind of like hey. I'm reporting for duty. I love Boston. Let's <laughs> unite the colonies under one banner, and I'm a lead. I'm gonna lead them, guys. He gets heavily involved in every aspect of the Congress and was regarded as the go-to guy for everything from military matter to a new currency. He, the revolution is hot right now. Washington is hot right now plenty of the delegates were confident that Lexington Lexington, and Concord were just minor setbacks in their relationship with the British. You know, we had the Loyalists. We had, uh, who was that guy? Benedict Arnold. Benny. People were flip-flopping all over the place. <laughs> and they were like, hey, guys, let's just make nice. We don't need to put on our military uniforms yet george and i just imagine george washington checking himself out in a mirror he was probably wearing a really dope uniform
1: oh it was Brett. oh
0: yeah sure let's reconcile with the british i just like dressing up like i'm going to war he probably had a, a riding feather hat eventually the congress would send more troops to boston it was basically the first formation of the, the Continental Army, made up of soldiers from four different colonies. And, uh, well, now it's time to pick a leader for this here army. And I think before this, like, like a, a general storekeeper was was leading the whole thing outside this, like, heading up the siege of, of Boston was a, was a store shop owner. Probably, like, Harvard- Educated, but still.
1: Yeah, but back then that was like n- not a, necessarily a it was college like one of, education. one of the
0: places that you could get a, uh, an education from. Right. No did, it was no King's College. Washington, of course, was appointed to the war party because he liked the sound of bullets almost hitting him and because he was from Virginia, the largest colony, and it makes a lot of sense to have commander from Virginia. It's not rocket science. He looked the part of the leader. super tall, big hands, huge thighs. George Washington was what you would want a king to look like, right? He's friggin' William Wallace. Yeah,
1: look good, feel good.
0: Look good, feel good, buddy. Many of the delegates just wanted the revolution to happen, so it was easy for the likes of John Adams... To get behind the wealthy
1: Virginian. Yeah, you gotta pay for this whole thing somehow.
0: The Lannisters always pay for the war. The (laughs) Continental Congress always
1: pays their debts. Sometimes (laughs) almost never pays their debts.
0: It's our army was official on June 14th, and on the 16th they named Washington general and commander in chief of the Army of the United Colonies. It said that he humbly accepted it. Like a real gentleman that throws irons farther than everybody else. And I read this acceptance speech in full. And I have to say, it sounds like a a guy who is way over his, his head, realizes it, and is shitting his pants. Much like he's been doing his entire adult life. (laughs) There was a lot of, oh, I don't know. I I don't know if I can do this, fellas. He sounded like butters from from South Park. During the speech, he said, well, I beg it may be remembered by every gentleman in the room that I that this day I declare with most utmost sincerity. I do not think myself equal to the command I am honored with.
1: I am honored. most.
0: End quote. He is butters from South Park. He is (laughs) not confident at all. Which, I mean, man, when you interview somebody and they don't sound confident, fuck that. It's very much the opposite of how DJT speaks. (laughs) I think that Donald would have absolutely shredded Washington at this Congress. He's a loser. Look, his hands... A big so what? I can do this job better. And the best. I could lead the best army. I'll give you the best results. <laughs> we'll put my name everywhere. It's gonna be the
2: biggest. It's gonna be the best. It's gonna be the biggest.
0: It's, it's gonna be huge. the greatest. So everybody follow me. And then George <laughs> would and then the, the United States would never happen. But alas, George Washington is very Not Donald Trump.
1: Right. But as un-Trump as Washington is, I think that Trump is actually very Washington-like in this way. I think he realizes he is in over his head and he's going to try to figure something out, right? I mean, that's exactly where— He's going to
0: clean the cobwebs out of Washington, but now he's ending up making Washington out of the cobwebs that he (laughs) put.
1: You have a fair—that's a fair and valid point. Fair and valid point. So, yeah, like Trump, I mean, kind of, right? Like Trump, he realizes he's in over his head, and he's going to have to figure it out now. Will Trump figure it out? I don't know. History will tell us. But for now, we know that George has to try to figure something out. Speaking of Washington feeling not completely able to assume the position of command, I would like to read in full the letter Washington wrote to Martha right after he found out that he was the general. I know this probably sounds like a horrible idea. The letter is a little long, but I actually think it's important to take a moment and read some words written by the man we are talking about. These are his thoughts transferred to paper by his hands. Something else makes this specific letter incredibly special. Most of the correspondence between George and Martha were torched by Martha upon George's death. This letter lets us peek into the relationship of both George and Martha and exposes a more vulnerable side of the general. My dearest, I am set down to write you on a subject that fills me with inexpressible concern. And this concern is greatly aggravated and increased when I reflect on the uneasiness I know it will give you. It has been determined in Congress that the whole army raised for the defense of the American cause shall be put under my care and that it is necessary for me to proceed immediately to Boston to take upon me the command of it. You may believe me, my dear Patsy, and yes, he also called his wife Patsy, when I assure you in the most solemn manner that so far from seeking this appointment I have used every endeavor in my power to avoid it, not only from my unwillingness to part with you and the family, but from a consciousness of it being a trust too great for my capacity and that I should enjoy more real happiness and felicity in one month with you at home than I have ever the most distant prospect of reaping abroad if my stay was to be seven times seven years. But as it has been a kind of destiny that has thrown me upon this service, I shall hope that my undertaking of it is designed to answer some good purpose. You might, and I suppose did, perceive from the tenor of my letters that I was apprehensive I could not avoid this appointment, as I did not even pretend to intimate when I should return. It was utterly out of my power to refuse this appointment without exposing my character to such censures as would have reflected dishonor upon myself and given pain to my friends. This I am sure could not and ought not be pleasing to you, and must have lessened me considerably in my own esteem. I shall rely, therefore, confidently on the providence which has therefore too preserved and been bountiful to me, not doubting, but that I shall return safe to you in the fall. I shall feel no pain from turmoil or danger of the campaign. My unhappiness will flow from the uneasiness I know you will feel about being left alone." I therefore beg for you to summon your whole fortitude and resolution and pass your time as agreeable as possible. Nothing will give me so much sincere satisfaction as to hear this and to hear it from your own pen. If it should be your desire to remove into Alexandria, as you once mentioned upon occasion of this sort, I am quite pleased that you should put it in practice and Lund, Washington may be directed by you to build a kitchen and other houses there proper for your reception. If on the other hand, you should rather incline to spend good part of your time among your friends below, I wish you do so. In short, my earnest and ardent desire is that you would pursue any plan that is most likely to produce content and a tolerable degree of tranquility as it must add greatly to my uneasiness feelings to hear that you are dissatisfied and complaining at what I could really not avoid. As life is always uncertain, and command prudence dictates to every man that the necessity of settling his temporal concerns whilst it is in his power and whilst the mind is calm and undisturbed. I have, since I came to this place, for I had not time to do it before I left home, got Colonel Pendleton to draft a will for me by the direction which I gave him, which I will now enclose. The provision made for you in case of my death will, I hope, be agreeable. I have included the money for which I sold my land to Dr. Mercer, in the sum given you, as all other debts, what I owe myself is very trifling. Carrie's debt accepted, and that would not have been much if the bank stock had been applied without such difficulties as he made it in the transference. I shall have nothing more at present, and I have several letters to write, but to desire you to remember me to Millie and all friends, and assure to you that I am, with the most unfeigned regard, my dear Patsy, affectionate, George Washington. P.S. Since writing the above, I have received your letter on the 15th and have got two suits of what I told was the purest muslin. I wish it may please you. It costs 50 cents a suit. That is 20 a yard. And so anyway, it's interesting because he does. I I actually, this is a, I really think this is important to add into the whole thing because really they, they move through a few really good points on it. So anyway, thanks for hanging in there. And if you didn't, the recap is that George totally tried to sell Martha on the idea he had no choice. He was sort of sad at the thought of leaving Martha alone for an undetermined amount of time. He wanted her to move to a place where she could be comfortable. He wrote a will. He really did have a sweet spot for Martha, and he ordered some muslin. Of course, he had to talk about shopping just a little bit, right? Hey, Martha, got you some... Mald Madness is
0: alive during the
1: revolution. So I know we've been talking for a hot minute, but before we close this episode out, I want to give everyone a little taste of what they really came here for. Bloody fucking war. Right? We love war. Well, we're getting into a pretty cool time of the show i think where we're gonna start talking about the part of the revolution yeah yeah no we're gonna go right into that character
0: we're gonna go right into Fuck. mel gibson's the Fuck. that guy so
1: fucked it up he fucked everything up that guy's crazy
0: you ever see what that guy can do with a hatchet
1: oh god
0: good lord
1: well i mean they did mention that they target Brit- british officers but i mean that not one man anyway
0: who did the music <sighs> for the patriot was it John Williams? I'm looking it up. I feel like, yeah, we had this conversation the last time that we watched it together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> totally. 100%. John Williams,
0: you did it again. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, the British are dead. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's fucking perfect. Anyway, after Washington writes the rest of the letters he needed to write, he heads out of New York to Boston to take control of his army. En route to meet his troops, Washington gets word that on June 17th, 1775, General William Howe landed 2,000 British troops and stormed a Patriot stronghold on Breed's Hill. The battle would later be incorrectly labeled Bunker Hill.
0: Don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes, because we ain't <laughs> got any fucking gunpowder
1: left. <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet. can't
0: waste the shit.
1: Aim small, Bunker miss Hill. small. Aim small, miss small. Anyway. While heading to Breed's Hill, Howe and his troops passed through Charleston, which they burned to the ground. They were really trying to strike terror into the Patriots. You know, show them that you mean some bidness. General Howe was in for a sure surprise. The Patriots turned out to be a great shot, they did target British officers, like we talked about earlier. This was a—they're not giving away their shot. This was a mass. This was a massive breach of the old world military protocol. You did not fire on officers; they were considered gentlemen. They were part of the noble class, so th- they weren't actually the ones getting their hands dirty with the war. They were riding on a horse, yelling at people, and you just didn't fire at them. They weren't part of the target. So anyway, I'm
0: taking a page from the French and Indian war style of combat
1: no totally no i mean and that's it's actually very interesting i don't want to get into it now but eventually i do want to have a conversation about about the american guerrilla military war that they were fighting i mean really they were fighting a very much designed by mel gibson (laughs) anyway that day he's a
0: time lord (laughs) (laughs) mel gibson is a time lord and he really was william wallace and that guy from the patriot
1: then if he really was these people i'm not quite sure why he got the history so incredibly wrong when he made every single movie he's ever made anyways way to kill my thunder that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying that's what i'm here for i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring a certain amount of credit to this show we're not fucking around maybe we're fucking around a little bit Anyway, that day, the American troops were able to kill off 1,000 British soldiers while only suffering 450 casualties. The British retreated. This was a major victory for the patriotic cause. Imagine the very first battle was a victory for the revolutionaries. If Washington was able to use this effectively, the British would have to admit defeat in no time. Washington wasn't there, by the way. He was, again, riding to pick up his army. And with that, I think we have to wrap up this episode.
0: That's a good idea. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of POTUS Life. Please do us a salad by heading to iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on, leaving us a review. You know, even if you hate us, you can give us all the stars. We'll take all of them. And if you hate the show, leave us a review or a threat. And And if you've listened this long, what the fuck is wrong with you?
1: Like, what the fuck is wrong with wrong with you?
0: No, I'm okay with I'm okay with hate. Like people hate Skip Bayless, but they watch him every day. I'm okay with the the hate listeners. Bring it on. If you're a Trumper and you want to argue with me, you can go fuck yourself. I'm not gonna (laughs) read your email. But also head over and check us out on Facebook. Like us, heckle us, leave us a message, draw dicks in george washington's mouth i don't care and if you'd like to get in touch with us you can email us at contact at potus life and uh we'll get back to you
1: (laughs) i'll get back to you i promise
2: Washington, Washington Six foot eight, weighs a fucking tongue Opponents beware, opponents beware He's coming, he's coming, he's coming Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine I mean two sets of testicles, so divine On a horse made of crystal he patrolled the land With the mason ring and schnauzer in his perfect hands Here comes George, in control Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll. Ate opponent's brains. And invented cocaine. He's coming, he's coming, he's 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 coming. coming. Washington.